Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Please listen as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, teaches from God's Word. This HBC podcast will be uploaded online and available every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. All HBC podcasts can be found on Spotify or Facebook under Hillside Baptist Chapel. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here this morning. Good to be talking with you. And um, imagine that you're here. How's that? Uh, leaving, I know you sit right back there, don't you, most of the time, and um, uh, Mike and Regina Williams, good to see them, and uh, John and Alita, and uh, John's mother, Ann, always very faithful, and we're glad that you're here today with us in spirit, and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we want to Tell you about our first song, Draw Me Closer to You, Lord.
Okay, thank you for that song. And uh, now we want to turn it over to uh, Frank, and he's, uh, he's not got any updates, he tells me. But anyway, he'll tell you about that. And uh, let him lead us in prayer as we continue today. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Now, we don't have any updates, so assuming everybody's doing good and the Lord's providing, that's the only way I can think of it. Anyway, uh, the only update that we have is my shoulder. It's doing a little better. It's just an old injury I've had for a couple years, and every now and then it gets kind of, kind of out of sorts. So, yeah, but it's doing better. So, and and Wanda's doing better too. Wanda, he just told me Wanda's doing fine. <laughs> so, for, with that, everybody's doing good. And again, if anybody wants to uh, add something or change something on the on the prayer list, it's HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. I'd appreciate it if you just go directly to that. Let me know what's going on, and we'll put it on the prayer list and do what we need to do. So let's lead us in prayer now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, oh Lord. We thank you for your many blessings, oh Lord, that you've given us, oh Lord. And I thank you for giving us the grace to pray for the pandemic to, to be over with quickly, oh Lord. And, and I think the ending's getting closer. I, anyway, I pray it is, oh Lord. So give us grace, oh Father, to endure, oh Lord. Help us to help each other during this time, O oh Father, and help us to look to you. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, one thing that we're uh, doing is praying about this pandemic, this uh, virus that uh, has swept the world. And uh, so uh, as we uh, think about that today, they are loosening some restrictions. That's what we've heard. And uh, one of the things that they're saying is uh, that... Uh, in the future, churches are going to be able to meet again, maybe in the near future. That's what we're hoping. They didn't give us a date on that, but we're hoping that real soon, maybe even by next week, maybe that's too optimistic, but anyway, uh, we're uh, praying that that will take place just real soon and um, uh, continue to be praying about it. And as we... Uh, think about meeting together again, we think what they're going to recommend and what they're going to have us to do is have social distancing in our church building. So uh, we're going to be working out things that uh, hopefully will uh, make that take place and uh, uh, continue that in your prayers as well as you pray about the pandemic. All right. Our uh, next two songs our blessed assurance, and God will make a way. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song, raising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, 
for the song and by the way some good singing today <laughs> hopefully <laughs> and um, our scripture reading today is going to be from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets he got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full 
that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. All right, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come to you again today, we thank you for your love, your care, your provisions, the opportunity that you give us to be able to meet together even like this and be able to worship you in spirit and truth. And Father, we pray that you'd be with each one at home. Help us that we might be able to honor you with everything that's said and done today. And I ask your blessings upon this message. I'd like to speak today on how God's plan can change your life. And it can. And we're going to be looking at Peter, of course, as we've been looking at him for the last several weeks now. And um, I'd like for you to keep three things in mind as we go through this message. First of all, great revelation comes in totally unexpected ways. And great revelation comes in the course of daily obedience as we simply go about our lives. And then thirdly, great revelations come only after small steps of obedience. Now let's look at those things a little more closely. Unexpected ways. Peter had no idea that his whole life was about to change. That's usually how God works. It's not that as he reveals great things to us all at once. No, it's a gradual process. And it's usually unexpected. We don't expect what God's doing. We're just going through life, business as usual, everything as normal, doing our thing. And then the Lord reveals one step. He reveals something that he would like for us to do. Usually something small, something easy. And then that revelation to us comes in the course of our daily activities, just as we live our lives. Fishermen fish, don't they? That's what Peter, James, and John had been doing. They'd been out fishing. And in that first century livelihood, that meant going out on the Sea of Galilee for them at night, casting their nets into the water, fishing all night, and then coming shore at daybreak. The text tells us that Peter and the others were cleaning their nets. This meant that their night's chore was done. They had finished with it, and they were taking care of their nets so that they could go fishing then the next night. As we think of normal activities, what is your activities? Well, in this pandemic, we're, most of us at least are staying home all the time, aren't we? Or at least most of the time, a couple of hours a couple of times a day for, uh, a couple of times a week, I mean, for uh, us men, and, and three times a week, actually, for uh, you ladies. Uh, but um, uh, not 
very much activity outside the home, is there? That's our normal routine today. But as we think about our lives in the past, teachers teach, singers sing, cooks cook. And all of those activities just go on all around us, don't they? Where do you go to discover God's will for the future? I've had people ask me that I don't know how many times. Do you know what God wants you to do right now? Then do it. Just do what He wants you to do at present. Now, first, Jesus asked Peter to use his boat. They were there cleaning their nets. They were there getting ready for uh, the next night's activity and for going back out on the lake. And Jesus comes along and, and he needs a place to speak to the people. And he asked Peter. Well, that was fine with Peter. It was a small thing, but a small step of obedience leading people to a life-changing event. That's what we'll see today. But you never know when one of those great events is just around the corner. We don't know what God has planned for our lives tomorrow or even today before it ends. But they were more likely to come as we travel along the path of daily obedience. Just doing what we're doing, serving God to the best of our ability. You see, Peter had agreed to let Jesus use his boat as kind of a floating pulpit, if you will, right? And then Jesus, challenging challenges Peter to something greater. A change is looming, but it hasn't been revealed to Peter yet what that change is. And so he allows Jesus to use his boat, and then Jesus goes on from there. Now think back on this, if you will. Picture it. Jesus approached two men by the Sea of Galilee. Peter and Andrew. They were dirty and grimy from a long night of fishing on their boat. They had the smell of their nets, as only fishermen do. And that smell of fish is almost impossible to wash out. No doubt these two men were not the movers and shakers of the area. They were just regular guys. The kind of men you meet every day on the streets. Giving their lack of position or notoriety, Jesus' words must have come as a great surprise when he said to them, don't be afraid, from now on I, I will make you fishers of men or I will give you the job of fishing for people, verse 10. Whatever that meant. What is even more startling is that Luke tells us that without question or negotiation, they pulled their boat up on shore, left everything, and followed him in verse 11. 
In that single interaction, Jesus gave Simon, who we now know as Peter, and Andrew a new purpose for life. What was that purpose? To be fishers of people instead of fishers of men. How do they do that? You see, Jesus hasn't explained everything as he gives them that call. He's going to prepare them for that work. All they need to do is follow him. And that's the way it is in our lives. It's not that that God is going to lay everything out and show us everything that he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it as he gives us a call, as he leads us to do something different. He's going to train us. He's going to teach us. He's going to allow us to learn. These individuals simply needed to do what Jesus led them to do. And as they went on their lives, they began to learn from the divine teacher. In his best-selling book, The Purpose-Driven Life, Rick Warren encourages believers to redefine what they believe and who they are in terms of who they follow. Warren speaks to the heart of those who struggle with a sense of discouragement and depression because he himself knows that struggle. At the end of 1980, Warren found himself burned out in the ministry. He collapsed one Sunday morning as he was delivering a message to his congregation. And he fell into a a deep depression and spent the next year searching for answers. Warren explains that he wanted to be guided by a purpose and not pressure. You say, well, he was a pastor. He wouldn't have had pressure. (laughs) Well, there is pressure in pastoring, believe me. But anyway, through prayer and Bible study, he rediscovered the foundational truths of Christianity and figured out what mattered. It enabled him to have a great impact on millions of people and their lives. Knowing our purpose, why are we here, here, and what are we doing here? It clearly is a revelation when we find out what it is that is beyond the ho-hum, the everyday life, and it gives us a reason to persevere. It encourages us when life's daily circumstance threatens to overwhelm us. And it strengthens our spirit and fuels our soul when we know what God wants from us. What he's asking. What he would have in our lives. When a business or organization decides to rewrite their purpose or mission statement... They question the very foundational roots of who they are and why they're doing what they're doing. They ask questions like, why are we here? 
What purpose do we serve? Are we fulfilling what we're called to do? And we do that same thing sometimes with churches as we uh, decide on our purpose, our mission, and develop a mission statement for our congregation and then go on from there fulfilling that call that we believe that God has on our lives and on our church. Now, as individual believers, we must ask the same kind of questions. And the answers that we get is a clear measure of where we are and what we need to do to adjust, to go on, to fulfill the mission that we see in our lives. The early disciples not only saw Christ as a compelling person worthy of their devotion, but also heard him call them to a compelling cause, which would be a life consumed with not piles of fish as it had been in the past for Peter and Andrew, but a liberating message of Jesus Christ to reach people and then to disciple them. They would follow Christ, and like them, there should be no question as to what will drive and define our lives. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 that we read just a moment ago, it tells us how Christ called Peter and his disciples. The progress what we see in this story is simple. First, Peter caught fish, right? Then Jesus catches Peter, so to speak. And then Peter catches people. You see what I'm saying? He caught fish. Now Jesus catches Peter. And now Peter catches people. It all begins with a frustrated fisherman cleaning his nets after a long, hard night, catching nothing. In order for us to be ready for what God has for us, we need to see a sense of need. Now, fishing is hard work. It's one thing to be what we might term a weekend fisherman, but something else to make our living at it. Peter and Andrew, as well as James and John in our story here today, fished on the Sea of Galilee year-round. It was their occupation. They either sold their fish locally or it was salted down and sold as far away as Spain. And you wouldn't get rich as a fisherman. But a hardworking individual could take care of his family. That's what Peter and the others were doing. Now it's morning. Peter and the others are tired, exhausted, probably in a foul mood since they didn't catch anything. Fishermen like to say, your worst day fishing is better than your best day in the office. Have you ever heard that phrase before? I'm not sure Peter would have used that phrase at this particular time. He might not have agreed with that. But they were busy mending their nets, a time-consuming work, 
made more difficult by their failure. And Peter is asked by the Lord if his boat can be used. Now, he knew Jesus already. He had already been called by him, and we know of that. Uh, Andrew found Peter, remember? And he told Peter, come and see one that told me all that I ever did. Well, Peter knows Jesus. It's not somebody that's just strange walking up to uh, ask to use their boat. He's an individual you already knew. But they're following him like they followed John the Baptist. They had also been disciples of John the Baptist. But it doesn't mean that they'd left their occupation and they'd served full time following John. And as they had first met Jesus, they didn't follow him full time either. They were just willing to go and listen to him when he was somewhere speaking, when he was holding a meeting. How fitting is it? He comes to the scene, a scene of failure. And then he uses that failure, if you will, his boat, to preach. He takes the ordinary and makes it sacred, using a simple fishing boat for his pulpit. Nothing in the story happens by chance. All of it is meant to teach us important truths. And let's see if we can glean some of those this morning. Until we sense our need of Him, we'll not be ready to follow Him. We have to sense that need. After all, if you think you're self-sufficient, why would you need Christ? An individual who's lost who thinks that they've got it made and they've got everything going for them and, and they don't sense any need whatsoever of Christ, how can you show them how to be saved? They're not willing to listen to us, are they? They're not willing to turn from themselves and turn to Christ. They need to see themselves as they are, as they stand before God. And that, that's what we see with Peter here, isn't it? After all, Peter must have sensed himself stripped of his self-confidence as Jesus did that miracle, just a simple thing, we might think, on the Sea of Galilee, that catch of fish. But Peter then realizes that this is somebody greater than who he thought he was. I think he began to realize that Jesus was the Son of God. And he said, get away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. He realized his need. And so Peter had to be broken before he was ready to respond to the call that Christ was giving him. God still prepares us for his call by allowing us to endure sometimes personal failure. Now let us notice that challenge to obedience in verses 4 and 5. The words of Jesus contain both a command and a promise. It's not like Jesus was saying, let's go out in the deep water and, and see what happens. 
No, Jesus is promising that if Peter will obey him, he will catch fish. I'm sure that after a long night of fruitless fishing, this must have been hard to believe for Peter. Now, God never gives foolish commands. Though, at the time we hear that command, it may look foolish to us. We can learn some useful lessons from this. God intends to bless those who obey Him without hesitation. God's great, uh, greatest miracles usually required cooperation from those that he was ministering to. There were certainly reasons for Peter to be skeptical. Let's think about his situation just now. God intends to bless him even with his skepticism. The expectations for catching fish weren't very good for Peter. He's a commercial fisherman. He's an expert. And he knows that fishing is usually done at night. That's the best time to throw out your nets and bring in the fish. But they had been out there all night long and they had not caught one fish, it seems. He knew that there just weren't any fish out there. Or at least that's what he thought. He could have said, sorry, Lord, but it's just not worth the trouble. We've already got our nets dried. We've already cleaned them. We've already got ready for another night's fishing tonight. No, I'm not going to do it. He could have told Jesus, I'm the expert here. You're just a carpenter. You don't know anything about fishing, and you're trying to tell me to go and do something, to go out into the deep and try again. I love the way that Peter put it. But because you say so, in verse 5. In the King James Version, it says, Nevertheless, at thy word. Across the centuries, believers had found those words as their divine marching orders. Middle-aged Abraham set out from his hometown to a land that he had never been to. And he said, nevertheless, at thy word. Noah, if you remember, built an ark in the face of an unbelieving world with the words, nevertheless, at thy word. Joshua marched around the city of Jericho day after day, nevertheless, at thy word. Young David was confronted with doubting men in his troop, and he marched them into a valley armed with this confidence, nevertheless, at thy word. And then Peter, as you notice, added, I will let down my nets. We still have a part to do, don't we? 
In order for God to use us, God has things for us to do. We've got to do the work. There are many answers to prayer, I think, that await only one thing, letting down our nets. Doing what God is asking us to do. Lloyd Ogliff says, Without God, we can't. Without us, He won't. So we see a demonstration then of God's divine power in verses 6 and 7. What a sight. So many fish, the nets begin to break. They call over the other boat. And the men end up filling both boats with so many fish that the boats begin to sink. Think about it. Two boats filled with flopping fish everywhere, slowly coming to the shore. This may have been the biggest catch ever. <laughs> and it happened in the middle of the day. Now the fish may have been there all along. Or... Jesus could have just created those fish right there on the spot. But when Jesus is in the boat, everything changes. He allowed Peter to fail so that he would learn what he could do with Jesus' help. When we lose, when we fail, we usually always have an excuse, don't we? Look at verses 8 through 10 there. This part of the story has always intrigued me. Why would Peter beg Jesus to leave him? The most, for most of us, failure is easier to handle than success. When we lose, we always have an excuse. It wasn't the right time. The boss hates us. The job stinks. She didn't love me. I didn't need the money. The market wasn't right. The refs were all against us. The coach called the wrong plays. We were cheated. I wasn't trying to win. My head wasn't in the game. And on and on and on, so many excuses, right? You've heard them. You've made them, I dare say. Losing is easy. Winning is sometimes a lot harder. Now what if God gave you success beyond your wildest dream? What would that do in your life? Well, you say, I'd like to have that. But what if he lets you fail miserably? He could give you an overwhelming success later. Not everyone can handle that kind of success. Most people can't. We're ready for medium success, but not outrageous success. Like most of us, Peter thought in man-sized categories, not in God-sized miracles. He had room in his mind for 
anything he could handle on his own, anything that he could do. But when Jesus got involved, the results drove him to his knees in prayer. To see God is to see ourselves as we really are. The scene is reminiscent, I think, of Isaiah. Upon seeing the Lord high and lifted up, you remember, in Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I'm, I'm ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Once Peter recognized who Jesus really was, the Son of God, he saw himself in a new light. To see God is to really see ourselves. To see who we really are. You see, as we read the scriptures, as we understand the word of God, as we see what God is really saying about us, we're able to really understand who we are and what we are. You see, the Bible calls us sinners. And we need to see Sinners in the hands of an angry God. That was a message, by the way, that someone preached one time, remember? Sometimes our vision of God is more than we want to handle. Peter couldn't stand the con uh, con contrast that he saw between himself and God. He saw his own sinfulness. And then Jesus calls him to a personal commitment. Now, I find it significant here that Jesus seemed to ignore Peter's desperate, unworthy confession of himself. Did you notice that? Jesus knew the truth about Peter before he ever made that confession. And what mattered is that Peter now knows that he's a sinful man. Now, he probably knew that all along, but he hadn't come to face Jesus with that fact. And with his pride stripped away, he's now ready to serve the Lord. Let us notice this lesson for ourselves. When we encounter Jesus, we'll never be the same again. No one can meet Jesus and walk away unchanged. Now, I didn't say that you can't meet Jesus and then continue to be lost or continue to be unfaithful. We can either end up closer to God or we can be hardened and never follow the Lord, never confess our sins and be saved. In Peter's case, his confession became a part of his testimony, a part of his life. He knew he was a sinner. And he admitted that to God. You see, that's what we need to do. We need to see our sins. We need to see our faults, our failures, our unworthiness. And we need to confess that to God. It was important that Peter confessed it. He didn't just see it. 
He confessed it to God. And in fact, he asked Jesus to get away from him because of his sinfulness. He knew that he was a sinner. And he wasn't ashamed to admit it to God. God can use a person who knows their weaknesses and doesn't try to hide it. Who knows their sins and doesn't try to cover it up. That's always been God's method. When God wants to shake up the world, first he finds a man or a woman and he begins to shake them up. And then he uses them to shake up their world. One day, we're catching fish. The next, we're catching people. One day, we're on a boat. The next, we're following Jesus down the dusty road for him to preach. One day, we're arguing about where to cast our nets. The next, we're arguing with the Pharisees. One day we're washing the fish smell out of our robes. The next we're watching Jesus raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. Can you see the difference? Can you see the change? It's so evident what happened in Peter's life. Peter proves the point that God will always is always good. But it's not always comfortable. And it's certainly not always predictable. I don't think Peter ever knew from one day to the next where Jesus was going to lead them next, the next day. Do you? And it wasn't always easy. I think it was just as hard to follow the Lord and be his disciple and to preach and minister as it was to be a fisherman. Just as hard. A different kind of work, but just as hard. That's what we mean when we say that God's call can change your life in a good way. Peter and the other disciples followed Christ. And it meant leaving behind the old life. Giving up their boats, their nets, their livelihood. And going to work for the Lord without any promise of a monetary re return. Some good things in our lives need to go in order for us to be better at following the Lord. It's not always easy leaving the past and coming here. Will and Johnny have told me a little bit about their lives and how... They went to the Philippines, and then they finally came here. And the things that they had to leave behind in the United States in order for them to follow the Lord, several have done that. Follow means to walk the same road that Jesus was walking. And that's true for us today. We need to follow the Lord where He leads. And... There's no guarantees, no deals, no special promises. Don't be afraid to follow the Lord. You'll never regret doing that. 
You'll only regret that you waited so long. Are you ready to follow him wherever he leads? That's what he wants. They gave up everything to follow him. Now, it may be today that some of you that I'm talking to have never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You know, you can't hold on to your sinful life and be saved. You have to turn from that. You have to turn from your sins. And that's what repentance means. It means a turning. It means a turning away from. It means turning from that sin and turning to the Lord. Jesus has the answers for you today. Just like he had the answer for Peter. For Abraham. For Noah. For all the others that we can name in the scriptures. David. You see, these individuals turned to the Lord. Nevertheless, at thy word. Will you take God at his word right now? He tells you that he has eternal life for you. He that believeth on him is not ashamed. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Salvation is simple. But it's only available to those that will turn from their sins and turn to Jesus. Father, thank you this morning for our time together that we can listen to your word and we can understand things that are so valuable for us. Help us as your people that we'll turn from the things that are hindering us in doing your work and your will. And for those that are lost, Father, we pray for their salvation today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. This concludes the HBC Weekly Podcast. Please join us every Sunday for our HBC Cyber Service. Hillside Baptist Chapel has moved right next to Chopsticks in Alto Bocchetti. This new location seems perfect for our growing church. The hours will be as follows. Bible study, 9.45 a.m. and worship at 11 a.m. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, services are suspended. Once the Panamanian government restrictions are lifted, Please join us for our regular chapel Bible study and service at the above-mentioned times. Hillside Baptist Chapel tithes and offerings can be dropped off at the mailboxes, etc. mailing service in Bocchetti, Cherokee, where there is a HBC tithing box placed on their front counter. Thank you and God bless.